Welcome to this edition of the God is Your Life broadcast. This is Reverend Mark Slay inviting you to join me for the next few minutes as we get into the Word of God. Deuteronomy 30:20 tells us to love the Lord your God, obey His voice, and to hold tight to Him. For this is your life. I'll be back in a few minutes, but for now, let's listen as I teach from the Word. Now, what can we see? Number one, Moses is a historical figure, not an allegory. Moses had contact with God. How do we know that? Jesus just said he did. See, it's impossible, as I said a minute ago, it is absolutely impossible to say you are a Christian and reject the Bible because Jesus himself didn't. You condemn yourself. You indict yourself of, of your ignorance of the scriptures when you say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't accept the Bible. You have to. He did. Notice he said Moses is not only a historical figure, but notice what he said. He wrote about me. Well, obviously then we know for sure Moses' writings can be trusted. We know that Moses was not just speaking of his own initiative, as Peter said, but he was saying what the Heavenly Father wanted him to say. So when somebody says, oh, well, Moses, he just wrote that himself. Yeah, he did. But that doesn't mean it wasn't right. In fact, the contrary, it is right. According to Jesus, he wrote of Jesus. And he said, if you won't believe Moses, well, then you're not going to believe me because he wrote about me. Moses isn't going to tell you anything different than I told you. Notice you can't just say, oh, these are all stories that, are, that teach us something. They are stories because they actually happened, but not stories in the sense of they're an allegory and they're fictitious figures that they really didn't exist. They did exist. Now, that's Jesus's. Now, look at Luke 16. You look at another place, and I'm going to go a little quicker now in the last part of this. You get the, you get the jest. You get the point. Now, read with me. Jesus is talking about in Luke 16. I'm going to read through a number of those verses there, but you'll, I'm going to go back a few that we really don't need to read to focus on what we're talking about, but it'd be interesting to you that, to give you Jesus' description of the reality of hell, because that's another thing you'll hear of today. Well, my God is too good to send anyone to hell. He doesn't send anyone. He never has sent a soul, but they did send themselves. And make no mistake about it, according to Jesus, there are plenty that are there. What was their sin? Well, it could have been a number of just individual sins, but their biggest sin was they rejected their means of forgiveness in Jesus. That 16th chapter there, he begins to talk about hell, and he begins it with, and I want, don't want you to get confused that just because he's talking about this particular parable that he's against money or he's against people who have money, because that's not the point. Verse 19, there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. In other words, entertainment, entertainment, more entertainment. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores, longing to be fed with the crumbs that were falling from the rich man's table. And besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. And the poor man died and was carried away by angels to Abraham's bosom, which was Old Testament phraseology for place of heaven kind of a holding place till they could be brought up to heaven actually and the rich man also died and was buried and in Hades he lifted up his eyes being in torment and seeing Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom now notice he is in Hades and he is in torment and he cried out and said father Abraham have mercy on me send Lazarus so that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue for I am in agony in this flame 
But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he's being comforted here, and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm or gulf fixed, so that those who want to come over from here to you won't be able to. And none can cross over from there to us. Now, make that clear in your mind that there is no middle ground. There is no place where you can be in a place of torment for a while and then be prayed out or taken out. Notice Jesus specifically tells you there are two places and you will either go to one or the other and both will be eternal. In other words, if you go to the place of rest, God's kingdom, then it will be eternal. And if you go to the other, it will be eternal. Matthew 25 tells you the same thing. So he said nobody can cross over Verse 27, and he said, well, then I beg you, this is the rich man, Father, that, I, that you send him to my father's house up on the earth, that is. For I've got five brothers in order that he may warn them so that they'll not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, look what he said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, if somebody would come to them from the dead, they'll repent, they'll change. And he said, no. No, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't be persuaded if somebody would rise from the dead. And you know they weren't. You know, three days later after his death, Jesus rose from the dead, and those people went everywhere saying, we saw him, he's alive. They said, no, nah, we don't believe that. You know, Paul wrote in Corinthians, it's an interesting fact. He said that the Lord Jesus appeared at one time to more than 500 people at one time. Not to everybody, but he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. In other words, they all saw him. And those same 500 people went out and told everybody, you know, he's raised from the dead. And they said, well, if I don't see him, I won't believe it. Well, then you'll perish. If you want, sometimes the only mouth of God you're going to hear is the preacher. Turn to Mark's gospel, the 12th chapter. I want to get this in if I can. If I can't get it in today, I will do, I will do next week as well. It looks like I'm probably going to have to. Mark chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus began to say as he taught in the temple. Now, notice that very carefully before I go any further. Notice it said Jesus taught in the temple. That means he took scripture and he just talked to the people. I mean, he would just open the Old Testament. We have accounts where he would look, go to the book of Isaiah and he would teach people from the scriptures. Do you realize the same Old Testament that you have a copy of is exactly the same Old Testament Jesus read from when he was here? It's the same. He read from the same books that you read from. They're not any different at all. He begins to teach in the temple. And you know, some people have the mistaken idea that Jesus walked around with this glow on him all the time, like up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that, Matthew 17, where he was transformed before him and his face shone brighter than the sun and his clothing became whiter than anybody could ever make their clothing. And the disciples, Peter, James, and John saw it. And he said, now, don't tell anybody what you saw until after I'm raised from the dead. Well, do you know after that event was over, he came down from the mountain and he looked just like you and me? There was no glow. There was no nothing. And many times Jesus would just, and I know people have contrary ideas because religious taught them. See, you see these religious statues or you see religious paintings and you see these halos around Jesus' head. There was no halo when you looked at him. He looked like a man. Book of Isaiah tells us that God purposed that he would look no different than you and me. Isaiah 53 says, There was no form or majesty about him that we should be attracted to him, nor outward appearance that we should be drawn to him. 
He just took the scriptures and spoke and now you can understand why so many that listened to him didn't listen. Because they're wanting some kind of supernatural something to prove that what he was saying was right. You don't need some kind of supernatural something. All you need is a head on your shoulder and a heart that's open and you'll be able to tell. So notice it says he taught in the temple and look what he's teaching and look what he's using for his text. And I like how Jesus taught here. He gets the people to thinking. He says, how is it that the scribes, in other words, the teachers that are teaching you, how is it that the scribes will tell you that the Christ is going to be the son of David? Because that was popular thought. They knew from the scriptures that Jesus would be the son of David. Well, Jesus begins to stimulate another thought in him. Listen to the thought he's trying to stimulate. And he was a physical descendant of David. We know that from the scriptures. But Jesus is trying to get him to think a little past that, past the physical. He said, well, David said, in the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies beneath your feet. Now, notice that. Do you know what Jesus quoted? He opened his text from Psalm 110. And he said, the Lord said to my Lord. And he's just using that verse to illustrate, if you just think the Messiah is a natural somebody, a natural son of David, you will miss it. Because David said, now notice what Jesus said there. David said, in the Holy Spirit. Well, David was just a man, wasn't he, Mark? Well, yeah. But he was also a man that knew the Holy Spirit and wrote by the Holy Spirit. How is it that David said, in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, God the Father, said to my Lord, Jesus, sit at my right hand. See, that was prophesied that Jesus would take the, the, the right hand of the Father. That was prophesied way back when the Psalms were written right there by David. See, Jesus didn't teach anything that you and I don't have access to. And he didn't always go around healing like people say. Sometimes he just did exactly what I'm doing here today. Just open the text and teach. David himself calls him Lord. So in what sense is he his son? And the crowd enjoyed listening to him. You could see why. He got them to thinking. Mark's Gospel chapter 4. Mark's Gospel chapter 4 is the familiar account when Jesus was tempted by the devil. Now this is just teaching now. I understand there's not a lot of inspiration in here, but hopefully you're getting some information. I don't know about you, but it's just not in me. And I know if, if you know, the rooster crows, and so if it's in you to crow, crow, but, but it's just not in me to jump and to holler and to spit all over the front row and to preach and wave my arms and it's just not me. I can't do that. I'm not going to try to do that. If I did, it would all be fake. And it's just not me. But, you know, if that's in them, that's great. You know, if that's how God... So I'm not much, you know, on inspiration. Although the scriptures, to me, inspire me. I mean, just teach me the scripture and I'm inspired. You know, you don't have to inspire me by... You know, some people think the, the louder they get and the more they yell, the more anointed they are. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Well, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, is the familiar account of Jesus being tempted by the devil. And you'll just notice, I'm going to bring to your attention here, just how Jesus answered quickly every temptation. Verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he had fasted 40 days and nights, and he became hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you're the Son of God, well, then command that the stones become bread. And he answered and said, it is written. Jesus read the same Old Testament you did. He believed the same Old Testament you do. Do you know what he quotes there? Deuteronomy 8.3. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
So he just said that Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 was the word of God. Well, I thought that was written by Moses. Didn't matter. Still the word of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, well, then throw yourself down for it's written. So he, Satan quotes scripture too. You know, when Satan comes to you and quotes a scripture to you that's not right, because he'll twist scripture, you have to, also, you have to be able to say, yes, yeah, Satan, but it is also written this. Because if you just take one isolated scripture, which people do, that's how they push their doctrines. You know, if you could never twist scripture, then we'd never have any error, but we do. But you have to be able to know fully what the scriptures say to get a clear picture. And so when Satan says, throw yourself off of this building because it's written in Psalm 91, and that's what Satan is quoting there, Psalm 91. He said, it's written in Psalm 91 that God will give his angels charge concerning you. So go ahead and throw yourself off here, Jesus. Let's just see. hope you enjoyed today's message. The title of the message is, Is the Bible Really the Words of God? If you'd like a copy, you can look us up on the web at mrcstl.org or markslay.org. That's M-A-R-K-S-L-A-Y.org. Or you can call our office at 314-965-8488. 314-965-8488. Until next time, this is Reverend Mark Slay reminding you, that God is your life.